Fake handoff, he'll throw it on second down. Deep down the middle, wide open man, Akeem Butler! Over the shoulder catch! It's gonna be a cyclone touchdown! That's a little moxie about him, doesn't it? He absolutely does. You saw how fired up his sideline was, and they're gonna be elated for this! Purdy to the end zone! Because, yeah, good's good. But what's elite in the elite moment? Don't, don't tell me what you've done. Go back into the critical moments and tell me what you should have done when you had the opportunity to do it. That's what elite is. That's what warriors do. That's what champions do. Welcome to the Lightcast. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Wide Right Natty Lightcast after what we'll call an eventful week of Iowa State basketball and uh, just athletics in general. Uh, I'm Austin Keeney. I'm hosting and I am not joined by Matt Nelson this week. Instead, Matt's somewhere warm and joining us in his place is Wide Right's managing editor, Levi Stevenson. Levi, thank you for doing this. And uh, can you confirm, did you fire Matt or why is he gone? (laughs) Well, I sent him to the Dominican Republic, I think is where he's at. Is he um, looking for the uh, the spy squad that was looking at Kansas? State I th- he must be. I, I think that's that might be where like that might be where like Ots hides in between games. He just sends them back. He just sends them to the Dominican Republic, and then they come back for the games. Man, we'll we'll get into that. But uh, Levi, how you doing? You haven't been, you said you haven't been on a wide right podcast. Yeah, we haven't. Well, so, uh, yeah, since we have, we haven't recorded down the pipe since football season, and and during basketball season, it gets tough to do nightcaps, which we are doing one this week. Um, do you want but, to tease out the guest? Uh, or is there a guest? We don't really have a guest. It's, just probably, it's probably giving me and Matthias, and then if somebody else wants to jump in, they can. Um, but it's kind of a during basketball season, it's tough because there's usually midweek games and stuff like that. So it's hard to find a uh, time to do it. But uh, yeah, so I, have, I haven't actually been on one of our own podcasts in a while. I've been on other people's, but I haven't actually been on one of our own in a, in a, in a little while, really since end, end of November, basically. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pull up your end of that uh, ten twelve bargain that we made. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, that's a uh, that's something too. Yeah, I guess we're gonna be doing more with that stuff going forward too. So that's an exciting development, I guess. Well, I tell you what, and I was thinking about it earlier this week. Basketball season is is really crazy when we do these pods. You know, like once a week, and there's two games in a week. I, I feel like this last week has been like three months long. We- I would I would agree with that because we had what Kansas State on because we had Kansas Saturday. Kansas State was Wednesday. Yeah, and then Brock Purdy made the Super Bowl. Brock so, Purdy made like, the Super Bowl. <laughs> there was it was a news heavy week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and so I mean, I just I want to dive right in, and I want to start with yeah. the positive. Uh, Saturday against Kansas, if that's all right with you. Oh yeah. So l- let's start here, and I'm curious if you have uh, an answer to match this. So Jamie Pollard and T.J. Otzelberger both said that uh, Hilton on Saturday was the best environment they've ever seen for a college basketball game. Now. The only thing that I can think of that might rival it, and I think there was a lot of overlap when you and I were in school, was yeah. when game day came to town with ESPN and we hosted Kansas that Saturday night. That I think was actually that was right after I graduated, so I wasn't I wasn't in school for that. Um, oh, okay. But oh. I, I, you know, for everything that I've heard, it sounds like that would be you know, on if you're looking at like a a Mount Rushmore of you know Hilton environments, that that's probably on it. Um, but. You know, I just I, I'm I'm looking at it from you know looking at it from a little bit further out now you know and, and from a little bit higher elevation. I mean, it would the game was on CBS with you know arguably the best college basketball you know commentary crew on TV, and it was a, just a it was a fantastic game against a good against a against a blue blood opponent, the maybe arguably the bluest of bloods, you know, and it was just a phenomenal presentation of college basketball especially a big 12 basketball um because it was a good game it was a defensive game but it was a good game it wasn't like a defensive battle where it was lots of bad basketball it was good defense with some really like outrageously good shot making by both teams at times um and yeah i mean it's just a just a fabulous thing i mean even 
watching it on TV. The crowd sounded great. You know, the 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 white balance on the TV broadcast was really good. So Hilton looked great. You know, so it, it was just it was all around just a just a perfect presentation of what Iowa State basketball can look like. Well, yeah, this was like Iowa State's opportunity to be in the national spotlight, kind of all right. to themselves. And when this has happened, traditionally, it hasn't gone very well for Iowa State. So Saturday was just like a like a perfect day of Iowa State basketball for me. Oh, from, yeah. And I guess it really starts like Wednesday night with fans camping out for basically three whole days before the game. That, that was incredible. Shout out to uh, the students who managed to pull that off. But Hilton being absolutely jam-packed, completely full. Mm-hmm. Hilton executing a whiteout correctly with everybody. Yeah, almost, uh, yeah like 99% plus participation in the whiteout, which was great. Yep. Don't always get that. You've got CBS who hosts the NCAA tournament, the final four, the national championship every single yep. year. Everybody has CBS on their TV guide. I haven't looked at ratings from Saturday, but I have to imagine we were maybe the most watched game on Saturday. And I was they put on a great easy. performance. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where you just you you could not have dialed it up any better for how Iowa State could be presented that weekend, um, to a, a different in a different way, but you know similar to like when they did the uniforms again the, the Jack Trace uniforms this fall against TCU, how like the uniforms looked great, the presentation for it was good. ESPN did this big feature on Jack, and they won the game and did it kind of in dominating fashion, and it was just an overall, just a perfect day. And yeah. Saturday was like that. Yeah. It feels good to get one of those every once in a while. Now, as far as the game itself is concerned, Levi, did you learn anything about this basketball team that you didn't know already? I don't know if I'd say there was anything I didn't know or that we hadn't seen yet. I think if you're going to say you learned something, I would say that the team is capable of being being a an efficient you know effective offensive team um at time like where they can i mean we saw because they shot over 50 percent from three as a team i think on the game didn't they like 16 to 30 or something like that um we made 14 threes which is the most of the otzelberger era yeah 14 of 30 or 31 or something like that so you're just shy of 50 percent on a pretty high volume or whatever like I think I saw a couple national writers say this too but if if this team is making 10 plus threes they're going to be, they are going to beat anybody. Like, doesn't matter who you put on the other side of that. If Iowa State makes 10 threes, the game's over. Um, and, you know, so we saw, but we saw that they were capable of doing that. Curtis Jones hit some threes. Trey King hit four threes. I probably wouldn't count on Trey King hitting four threes a game here on out. But, you know, knowing that he, like, that he needs to be guarded out there anyways helps open up the paint. Um, Curtis Jones finally kind of getting, getting into rhythm is fantastic. Um, it, yeah, so I, I yeah I don't know if we saw anything like novel or anything like that on Saturday, but I think what we saw was um, about as complete a basketball game as you can expect right now from a what is a still a fairly young team. I mean, they were they there were still spurts where they turned it over a little bit, they took some bad shots or whatever it was, but they they worked through it. It's a very it's a very uh, durable basketball team that doesn't. You know, even when they when they if they get down ten points, you're not really that worried about it because they are just a few stops away from tying it up, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing that happened on Saturday that that I was really impressed by is the fact that we took Kansas's best punch. And there's yeah. going to be a point where we talk about Bill Self and just honestly, what a fantastic coach he is, and how yeah. Iowa State fans have kind of yeah em- embraced him. Not there was a, there I, was a stretch there where we just like we just ha- just hated him because he coached Kansas. But well, yeah, and he wins all the time. Nobody they're, likes they're, the guy that always wins. Yeah, and, and the fan base, I think if the fan base has crossed a threshold where it's like, you know what, we respect the hell out of him because he wins. He's a good dude. He win, He's a gracious winner and loser. And he's just, he's just, it's really hard to be, it's like really hard to hate the guy. Like, he, he just, you, you, you respect him so much that like, you just kind of deal with the fact that he's the Kansas's coach. Yeah. And after about 30 minutes of game time, I think, he figured out how to how to beat our defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what we managed to do was consistently score the ball on the offensive end, which is right. Like that's been the big thing for now two and a half years with TJ right. as the head coach. We know we're gonna play well on defense, but if the defense isn't doing well, can we consistently score the ball? On Saturday we did. 
that is a tremendous sign for any future. Can your your offense lift up your defense in the very few times that it does begin to falter? And we did see that on Saturday too, which was fantastic because it, it just makes Iowa state a much more dangerous team once you get into postseason play. And there are very few teams that are going to be able to do what Kansas did to us on Saturday. So I'm not worried about like any cracks in the defense going forward. I also don't think we're going to make 14 threes again all season. No, probably not. <laughs> Trey King isn't going to, you know, make four threes. Although he does he does have the ability. He I does think. he does. He doesn't take a lot of threes, but like the strokes there. I mean, his stroke looks good, looks fine. So yeah. He yeah. made like I think he made one against Houston. Like he's maybe he made one against TCU. Like he's, he just he's getting randomly shows up in these big games. Yeah. yeah, he's he's getting confident with it, which is great. Having a stretch big is would be unbelievably good for this team. Yeah, we we have what we feel like is an elite point guard in Tame and Lipsy, yeah. and then just kind of a cast of characters that if there's like four guys that are at least semi reliable, and you only need like two or three of them to play well in a given game. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to get to that point. I'm starting to get to the point with Curtis Jones, which I, I being honest, I, I did not think we'd be talking about Curtis. Jones oh, I mean, you know, you've seen me in our group chat. I was number one Curtis Jones hater for the entire season up to about two weeks ago, and uh, he. I mean, I'm well. I mean, I'm fully, you know, ready to eat crow on that or whatever. I mean, he is. I mean, he was. He was not objectively just not good to begin the season, but he's he's clearly gotten comfortable with his shot now. He's taking he's taking pull up jumpers. He had a step back against Kansas. Uh, he's attacking the basket at times. You know, I think he's he's turning into the player that like people thought he was going to be coming into the season, and what and what te- what we, you know what we heard coming out of camp and stuff like that is, you know, uh, as far as his scoring ability too. So I think he's finally starting to fulfill that potential. Keyshawn Gilbert's playing really well too, and the thing I've yeah. been trying to keep in the back of my mind, and, it, and it's very hard to do this, especially when they were struggling earlier in the year, is like. These are G5 players playing P5 basketball for the first time. And right. it's it's taken a little while to get there, but I think they're figuring it out. Yeah, Keyshawn's getting figuring out his there's a couple parts of his game though that's still like I'm not su- don't like I'm not super comfortable with. Like there are times where he just he just gets going too fast. He plays too fast and he he'll lose the ball or something like that. He's he can be turnover prone at times just because uh, there was a couple of times against Kansas too where you could tell he was trying to make something happen or he was kind of in the middle of a little bit of a run of his and then he like I'm specifically thinking of a play where he got he got trapped out beyond the three point line and then split the defenders. Actually, like kind of amazing. It was amazing how quickly he split the defenders and then tried to kind of gather it and then just kind of lost it out of bounds without anybody near him. So it's just it's just like one of those things where he just needs to learn to slow down a little bit at times. And then I think that that dude just has so much untapped potential too. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean when when if he can if he can rein it in just a little bit and learn to you know you know, not, not hit the gas so hard that he starts spinning out type of thing. You know, if, as soon as he learns to, to control his tempo and his energy and use it to his advantage, he's going to be a phenomenal player. Um, yeah. I and, think and the, the other one too, is I'd like to see a little bit more consistency on, on his outside shot. He got, he got some big ones to hit against Kansas. No doubt. I mean, especially that one there with like a, a minute left or whatever it was. I mean, that was, you know, in a, in a in a season where we've already seen a couple of shots of the season, like especially like the Milan one against Houston and stuff like that, um, that was a big time clutch bucket from a guy that you don't expect to hit a pull up three like that. Um, the uh, the Bill Raftery onions call that we deserved but didn't get, did, but didn't get, yeah. Um, but you know, it was a big time shot, and it's, he's clearly getting more confident with it. But just his his the amount of arc he puts on his threes makes me a little concerned. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's just because I'm not just not used to seeing it like that. Like, you know, when you think of like the elite shooters, not a lot of them put like a ton of arc on it. Tyrus McGee had a little bit of arc on it, but you know, when, most of the time when you think of like a really good shooter, most of them don't put a ton of arc on their shots and he puts a lot of arc on their shots. So I think it's just kind of jarring to see that. It's like when you see like a left-handed quarterback that actually does have a good throwing form, but it just looks stupid because he's throwing left. He's throwing lefty. Um, it's kind of one of those things. So it just yeah. kind of looks goofy with how much arc he gets onto it. And there's there's sometimes where he misses kind of bad. Um, well, he's he's but, not a volume shooter. Like if, right, he make, right. if he shoots three threes in a game and makes one of them, I'm happy if that's yeah, that, that's Gilbert's fine. Yeah. yeah, or if he goes two for five or something like that, perfect. Absolutely perfect. You know, that's I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um we saw Taman hit a couple threes, so he missed a couple open threes, but he also made a couple open threes, so that's good. Um so, especially like what you saw last season where he was just he just uh, straight up wouldn't shoot. This this is the thing. Everyone likes to harp on Tame and Lipsy's free throw shooting. 
I will trade a couple of missed free throws for a guy who's not not a great shooter, but a willing shooter who can knock down that wide open three point sure. shot. I'm I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and say that he should be able to do both. He should, but if he's not going to consistently make the free throws all the time, at least yeah. he's able to make a three pointer every sure. once in a while and yeah, be a yeah. threat on the perimeter. That, yeah, and that yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, that like him not making free throws and not shooting and making threes is worse than him making threes and still not being great on free throws. But being a point guard in college basketball, you have to be a good free throw shooter. Just period. You have to. There's just you can't be a 68% free throw shooter as a point guard. That's just not an option. Um, yep. you, you, you should be flirting with 80%. The improvement on his outside shot has been so incredible this yes, season. And absolutely. Last year, he was a 20% three-point shooter. And I can't tell you really any of those shots that went in. They all had to be in the non-conference play. They were all they were all like just random, like where it felt lucky that he made them. Like he he would take it and you're like, oh shit, it went in. That's great. Like, oh, he may be getting confidence. And then he just but then he never did. Like he just continued to not shoot. And then even when he did, it wasn't all that close to going in and stuff like that. So it was just like it was kind of a really unstable, you know, three point shooting game from him last season. But he's that it's that clearly 20, he's got confidence now. That twenty percent was uh five makes on twenty five attempts. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. That's this not, year. 25 makes on 67 attempts. He's shooting 37% from three this much year. Better, much Incredible better. Incredible improvement. Yeah. And a huge phenomenal. development for us. I mean, and I was saying in the offseason, like if he can get to like 33%, I'd be happy or whatever. Yep. And he's th- shooting 37% on a couple attempts a game. Great. That's, Thanks. you know, I don't need him to be Steph. You know, I just need him to be, I, I just need him to be, uh, you know, someone that they have to guard on the three point line. Cause it, you know, it got embarrassing in the NCAA tournament last year, especially when, he had had the ball on the three point line and they would just sit at the free throw line. It's like, they're not even, they're not even trying to guard him out there. Yep. Got to think about it now. Uh, I, so I want to look ahead just a little bit before we go back to the, I guess the other big storylines in Iowa state world, but um, Iowa state has a little bit of a break here. They don't play a midweek game and then they play at Baylor on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we all get to watch it from space. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> the worst part of it is going to be attempting to watch that game on TV. Interesting. It was an interesting choice choosing to put the camera on the International Space Station instead of just in the arena. I, I mean, and how much money did Baylor spend on that arena? And it, it feels like there's just one piece that they didn't think about, and it's the only thing that anybody can th- then can it's talk the, about when they the think only, about Baylor. Yeah, the only thing that matters when for anybody that's not in the arena is the camera angle, <laughs> and they just didn't. It, it's clear that that was an afterthought to them. I don't know. It's. There was another there's another arena that's kind of like that, isn't it? Is it uh Duke's is pretty steep? I, I I'm not sure. I'm, and I I've probably a, there's, just there's seen a, so many games at yeah, Cameron that I just get used to it. There's another there's a couple other arenas that I yeah, Cameron or in yeah, or uh, yeah, Allen Fieldhouse is kind of like that. But I was thinking it was Duke that has a pretty they have a pretty steep angle on theirs, I think. But like Baylor's is like darn near overhead. Like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's something. Uh, so I'm looking at the Big 12 standings right now. First of all, very rude of Texas Tech to beat Oklahoma on Saturday because otherwise we'd be in first place in the league. Yeah. And uh, winning on the road is supposed to be hard. I don't need Texas Tech doing that. Right. Um, this week, Texas Tech is at TCU and then they host Cincinnati this weekend. As we record, Houston is kind of laying the wood to Texas on the road. I'm. Do you think Iowa State is a legitimate Big 12 championship contender? I mean, I think at this point they have to be. I mean, I realize that, you know, there's a tough schedule left to go, but I mean, that's also not any different than the rest of the league. The rest of the league also has a ridiculous schedule to go. The only the only one that doesn't is like BYU. I think there's just like they have the weakest schedule left and it's still a 30th toughest in the country, I think. Like, um how many more road games do you think we need to win? What what is a number that we get that we need to get to for league wins to be so we're at five and two right now. And we've got one, two, three, four. So we've got 11 five, games six, left. We've got six road games left and we're five and two. So if you say you're winning, if you say you win out at home, which you've got, so at home, you've got TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, BYU. I think you can feel pretty good about, you can feel at least decent about winning out at home <clears throat> and, and truly protecting Hilton, which is phenomenal. Um, so let's see. Let's just say you go five and zero at home. 
Uh, the only the only one that makes me worried is BYU because BYU is kind of a bad matchup for us. Um, but we'll say let's say they go five and zero at home, so that gets you to ten. <sighs> I'm let's see, Texas Tech is at five and one. What do they got left? Ken Palm is currently predicting them to finish twelve and six. So let's say let's say Ken Palm's got one extra win in there. Let's say they drop Baylor at home, or they drop. Oh, let's see. Is there any other one that they're going to drop? Not really. I think with the strength of the Big Twelve this year, I think twelve and six might put you in the conversation to get a share of the championship. Oh, I think twelve and six could be the outright winner. Even not even just a share. I think that could be the outright winner. Houston so got, is the team I'm most worried about because <laughs> they're, they're figuring out the league and they're doing it fast. Yeah, yeah, and we don't, and and they get. They have to play us again, but we're there. We're yeah, we we're have to go Houston. to their place. Yeah. So <clears throat> Houston's pro- projected to win out and go 14 and four. So what? to do that, let's say to, let's say to go 14 and four, let's say Houston drops one more game than Kemp Palm is thinking to go 14 and four. Iowa state's going to have to win out. Right? No. Well, uh, uh, no, they would, they would be, we would need to win four road games. To do that, four more road games. Yeah, but it's going to be tough. But I, I think we're in the conversation. I mean, you so the road, so the road games that? you've got is Baylor, Texas, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and Kansas State. So I'm not really that scared of Baylor. I mean, I really like, Baylor can shoot, but I'm not. I don't know for some reason Baylor doesn't scare me that much. Texas, uh, Texas, I think is kind of fraudulent. I don't, I don't really like Texas very much. Um, I think they can win. Really, really, you don't like Texas? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Um, I think. Are I think they, are they Baylor, popular names? Yeah. Um, Baylor and Texas, I think, are both are both winnable. I mean, Ken Palm has at forty two, and they actually have his. He has actually has, has his favorite win at Texas. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, is definitely a doable one. I think that's definitely one that we can get. Um, Houston. That'll be tough. I <laughs> you want to do something crazy? What does Ken Palm say about Houston at Kansas on Saturday? Houston at Kansas. Uh they have Houston as a 70% chance to win. 69% okay. chance. ESPN has it at 78% chance that Kansas walks into Allen Fieldhouse and wins. Has a 78% chance that Kansas wins? Or sorry, that Houston wins. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn, that's a big swing. I mean, I could see that. I mean the Kansas can't shoot. That's I mean that's a huge problem when you're playing against a heavy a really heavy defensive team. You got to be able to shoot over top of them and they can't shoot. They don't shoot threes and they can't make them very often. Um I would I be just, shocked. I'd be shocked if if Kansas could beat Houston. That's well, it's, a, it's a bad matchup for them. I I don't even have a gambling <laughs> line right now, but I can tell you I will have money on Kansas on Saturday and I'll probably lose it. But you you take just, on the money line? Oh, oh yeah, at home. <laughs> You know what the Big 12 is going to do to to protect Kansas against the newbie? I don't know. Higgins might come out of retirement for that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I'm looking at I mean UCF they can they can easily beat UCF. They can easily beat Kansas State. I mean, what? you can do, so if you say Kansas State UCF feel pretty good. Like you can get wins there. Then all you got to do is win two out of Cincinnati, Texas and Baylor. And well, after this week, I'm not sure if I feel good about w- winning in Manhattan. To be honest, oh, I do. They, they, they're a, they're a, they're a lot of bike. They're they're a lot of they're a lot of bark with no bite. I don't know. Kansas State's not that good of a team. I'm. I, if, I mean, if, I, if, sure, yeah, I get it. I get Bramlage is going to be loud because of this whole week. I get it. That doesn't it, doesn't change the fact that they like they're an okay shooting team, but not really. They're apparently they're very foul prone. Like, like you know, I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't see how this week changes that game. I mean, both teams, both teams are going to be amped up because you know who's going to be playing. Yeah, you know the fans are going to be angry, but you know which team is going to be angry? Iowa State, and that's the physical team. I mean, like the people actually playing the basketball game. There is one team that is very clearly better, and they're the angry ones, <laughs> and they're, and they're the heavy defensive team. I'm, I'm like I, I don't think this week changes. Like how I feel about the basketball game being played. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe the arena will be louder, but it's not going to be any louder than going into Allen Fieldhouse or anything like that. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, 
in, in even if it's as loud as Allen Fieldhouse, Kansas State doesn't get the same kind of home whistle that Kansas does. So I don't know. I don't I don't feel bad about Kansas State at all. I mean, if you look at how Ken Palm has it on a, on a game-by-game basis, they have a, he has a losing to Baylor and losing to Houston, but winning else everything else, but winning all the other games, which is a 14 and 4 record. So you know, I feel okay about that. All right. Well, I all right, I feel a little better about going to Manhattan now. Yeah. Thank you. Got you thank you for reminding it. me. You know, you know who's going to be the angry team. And you're right about that, is Iowa State. Iowa State's gonna be pissed season. off. They pissed and they deserve off. to be. Yeah. Absolutely deserve to be. I mean, well, I would I, be. I mean, take like they're gonna they have I guarantee you they've got that game circled on the calendar is like we're gonna come up. Like we're gonna, yeah, I mean if there's any way to properly execute sign stealing in college basketball, though, I think Jerome Tang is gonna try and do it. And just hope he doesn't get caught. <laughs> that that whole situation is just, <laughs> just. I mean, we I haven't up a laugh about it. Just it's just because it's so it's so ridiculous. We we haven't talked about it on a podcast, and Not, I feel okay. like we have we have now. To we do yeah it. we gotta. And I, I know everyone's tired of the discourse. And if you don't know what happened, congratulations on not being nearly as yeah, online honestly, as anyone else is. High five to you, man. Like high five to you, whoever has avoided this entirely. You know who has no idea what happened is that that old man, the old guy next to Jim Carrey, who was just giving Jerome Tang the business. <laughs> that guy yeah. has no idea what's happened since. No, then. he doesn't. He's not on Twitter. There's no way. <laughs> and you know what? Good for him. But absolutely. Uh, That's like he's he's living the dream right there where he gets like the. He gets the expensive tickets right down by the court, right behind the opposing bench. He can yell at him, cuss at him, flip him the bird all the all he wants. Doesn't go online and see any of the discourse afterwards. There's, perfect there's been a lot of talk right. about Hilton Coliseum and what makes it so special. I think about it's all these other arenas people. that have like the rich donors sitting in the old, you know, sitting in the seats closest. They sit down. They read the newspaper during the game. They yell at people for everybody you else. Know, standing up and arena cheering. Is filled with a bunch of people like that we have in the Sukup End Zone Club. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't happen at Hilton. Like our old fans, you know, you're going to get yelled at. You're going to hear some of the most probably foul things you've ever heard in your life from somebody's grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like coming up like, oh, upper Midwest. Oh, they're all nice old ladies, nice old folks, you know, nice old farmers and all that stuff. And and then uh, put them in a basketball arena. Yeah, put them they in a basketball arena and give them. Yeah. And they are just absolutely <laughs> just savage human beings. Um, and I, I saw a good tweet about this, too, from I think it was a Texas Tech fan. He says, like. Honestly, like our student section is probably better than than Iowa State's, but their old people blow ours out of the water. And I was like, you know what? That's probably right. Like the student section is good. I'm not going to bag on the student section or anything like that. But you know, there are there are others that do you know more intimidating cheers and whatever, like the, the big swaying thing that Texas Tech does or whatever, all that, whatever. But there is no fan base in America that has more angry seventy year olds than Iowa State. <laughs> all right. So and and it makes it makes for the the whole arena. It's not just like all the noise is coming from just the student section. It's it's coming from everywhere. Yeah. Yep. There's a nice little old lady that's that's sitting on the crowd that has never said a swear word in her life outside of Hilton Coliseum. Yep. And then she turns into a turns into a sailor as soon as she gets there and there's another team on the court. (laughs) You know it. You know it. Um, All right. So for anybody maybe uninitiated, the the whole the whole thing stems from, you know, Jerome Tang really just losing his cool. At about the eight minute mark of the second half of that game, it's a close basketball yeah. game. And and here's where I'll be fair. If I thought, which it seems like maybe in the moment they really believed something was going on, something fishy, of course I'm gonna be upset about it. But yeah, everything that's happened since the game ended, I I think, and and TJ and Jerome Tang had that first conversation. That's where I'm starting to find fault with with Kansas State's role in this whole thing. Right. So right. um there was, I mean, first off, it was an accusation that Iowa State fans were throwing things at the bench, which was not happening. Well, there, some, there was there were some other far nastier, some, some far worse coming. things being alleged as well. Which there's been no yeah. evidence presented that that happened. I mean, even the the person that originally tweeted that out says like, "Oh, I just heard about it," which which in so in Twitter language means I made it up entirely. Yeah, but where we settled on, and and this was this is what started to make the rounds is that there was some sort of allegation that maybe Iowa state had a a manager trying to film and communicate from Kansas state's huddle to Iowa state's huddle. Now, what could that accomplish? How could that realistically make a difference? How could you even communicate? This is one thing that Jamie Pollard said that I I thought was really funny. 
Hilton doesn't even have good enough cell phone service that you could prop, you could yeah. get a text message through, let yeah. alone a video of Jimmy Pollard roasted his own Wi-Fi network. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's how you know how ridiculously how ridiculous the allegation is. Is that Jamie is willing to throw his own his own you know stadium network infrastructure under the bus <laughs> and. The logistics of it just just don't really make, don't any, make any sense. sense. The, of, the of, thing that the thing that like pisses me off about this and that and that like totally delegitimizes the entire thing for me is that it started out as one thing, changed to a different thing, and then changed to another thing. Like the story kept getting changed as to what the what the great offense was. Like it was this thing, and then it was this thing, and then it was this thing, and nobody had any proof for any of it. We still don't have any proof for any of it. Like so, like the story keeps changing on what's what was the big what was the big hubbub about so that like it, it, i don't know you start off with that so there's just changing stories there's no evidence to back it up and then what? all of a sudden it goes national it's like what? i honestly thought this whole thing was going to go away after jerome tank's press conference on wednesday night after the game where he said some really complimentary things about tj otzelberger he said some nice things about hilton coliseum he's like hey tj and i you know we talked you know we'll talk about it we'll keep it between ourselves and tj basically said the same thing i, I thought it was all settled then around like Friday, I want to say it was like Friday afternoon. An SI report comes out. This, I guess, when it went national. I think it was on Thursday when it started to trickle out. Somehow it gets in the hands of a beat reporter who covers Kansas State that there was this. Yeah, from the Wichita Eagle. So not just not deal. just a blog, not just like a 247 writer or a rival writer. It is a newspaper, the Wichita yep. Eagle. So I guess we need to, I don't know. You you never know how these things go. We'll just say allegedly. Do you Levi, do you allegedly think that someone from the Kansas State basketball program communicated to the Wichita Eagle what they thought was happening? Or was this really pulled from kind of like trying to lip read and and analyze Jerome Tang's body language? Well, he the, the article from the Wichita Eagle was written in a way to suggest that that the that the that the right that the journalist talked to somebody because if you're a professional journalist at a newspaper, interpreting body language is not remotely even it's not even on the spectrum of good journalism. It's I mean, that's horrendous journalism. Um, you can report on, oh, there was a weird thing that happened, but we don't know what it is. But you can't say, oh, I think it might be this because of what I saw or what I might have read on his lips or something like that. Um, and like I said, it was written in a way to suggest that they that the author had talked to somebody. Yep. And the other reason I asked the question in that way is because basically the line that Kansas state has taken is that nobody from the program has said anything public about science. Well, worth noting it's it, the, 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 that's the narrative from Kansas state fans that are on Twitter. The right. university. I'm, I'm trying to, been, I'm trying to be been, at least yeah. 1% fair here. Yeah. The, the university has been explicitly silent on the entire matter. Yeah. So it, it, nobody from the university, nobody from the basketball program has publicly said anything beyond I'm going to keep it, you know, Jerome Tang saying I'm going to keep it between TJ and myself. And and that's kind of it. But yeah, Friday afternoon, Sports Illustrated picks it up. It goes, it blows up. It's everywhere. CBS is talking about it during the game on Saturday that they're broadcasting. And this is where Iowa State is forced to make a statement about it. Because if I remember correctly, the Wichita Eagle article did not. I don't know if they asked Iowa State for comment they about any of this. No, they did not. Yeah, and that's that's the malpractice of it to me. That's, that, that's, I mean, just from a pure journalism perspective, not even reaching out to Iowa State about it is garbage. <laughs> like that's that's really bad journalism. So um, now by Saturday, Seth Davis on on CBS is reaching out to Jamie Pollard for comment. Jamie yep. says this did not happen. TJ's going to address it in his post game presser. TJ. And not only didn't say this didn't happen, but like like he came out emphatically and against and said this is not just it's a ridiculous allegation that is like a slander to the integrity of. You know, TJ, his staff into the entire athletic department at Iowa State. Yeah, it, so, was, it wasn't just that this didn't happen. It was I'm pissed off and I need to tell you why. And, and TJ Osselberger said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, in his post game presser, it, he was ludicrous he, allegation. He was pissed it's, off. Yeah, yeah. you I mean, the guy just beat his Kansas integrity his, in the way he runs his program. The guy just beat Kansas on CBS in a in a fantastic game and in a fantastic atmosphere, and then. And was visibly upset that he even had to address the question. And I mean that to me that says that says a lot. That if, if you're they like it was just a rumor that was floated by the Wichita Eagle and then was aggregated by Sports Illustrated. Ordinary, like it, it had it just 
been a, you know, it could, it could have just stayed between the coaches. Like as Jerome Tang said that he was going to leave it between the coaches wherever Leo you know, is, is worked out between me and TJ and he was going to look into it. Um, and you know, it was a weird like moment at the end of the game. And if it had just stayed that way, we wouldn't be talking about this anymore. That's it. It would have been dropped. It would have been done. And if there was something more that came out of it, then something, then we would have seen something about it. They would have been an investigation into it. We would have seen something. Yep. If, I just, I, I don't know. The, the whole thing's so fishy. I, <laughs> I just want to make sure that we, you know, kind of go over the ridiculousness of mostly the online Kansas state fans and, and the way that they have been oh treating this God. whole situation, because I mean, it's, it's laughable. It's stupid. It's- and I realize, yeah, I realize this is a totally non-critical situation, but at, in relation to the, in relation to the actual meaningfulness of the situation in terms of like impact on the lives of people, this is like one of the worst like cases of gaslighting I've seen on the internet. Like I, I don't, it's just every time you say like, why don't they like, where did these come from? Like, and then the, the, the story changes all the time on, it started off with, well, why didn't TJ or why didn't, you know, why did TJ address this? And then, or why didn't TJ address this? And then he did. And he's like, well, why is he still thinking about the cats? And then, and then it was like suggested like, well, did the rumor actually come from Jerome Tang and his staff? Do we know that it happened? Is like, are you accusing the journalists of just making shit up? Like, I, well, I mean, <laughs> we need I an mean, answer, don't we? We, we, there has to be, there has to be an explanation for where this came from. So either the journalist made some shit up and he deserves to probably like be a reprimanded or I don't know, something worse. And, or like it take a huge, it's going to take a huge you know, hit to the reputation of that company. Uh, or it came from somewhere they did, you know, he did mostly good reporting outside of, you know, not asking the other party involved for a comment. Um, and it came from somewhere and it's real. And if let's say, and if that happened, if the leak that, made it to the Wichita Eagle is real. Then it came from somebody that knows something. Maybe it didn't come from Jerome Tang himself. Maybe it didn't, maybe it came from an assistant coach or a student manager or someone on the team, or I don't know. I don't know who it came from, but if the Wichita Eagle writer got that leak from somebody at Kansas state, then somebody at Kansas state needs to address this. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're being treated like the bad guys for right. asking for an apology or even for asking for an ex- explanation not even for- an apology nobody asked for an apology even they're like jamie pollard and tj otzelberger like at borderline asked for like an explanation as to where this comes from because yeah some why wouldn't we be upset that someone is accusing our basketball program of doing something against the rules like yeah you're you're the fact you're, that we are upset using... about it is is <laughs> yeah. it's oh you trigger bro you know like that's exactly what they're doing no and it, you accuse a power five program of cheating not just and not just like oh well, you have an academically ineligible player playing it's like actively cheating in the game or whatever but you are you're accusing a a team of cheating in the game and <laughs> so you have to have something to back that up because that's a pretty serious allegation um, as far as to the competitive competitiveness of the sport and things like that, you can't just like and and it's to the point now where you know it got picked up by Sports Illustrated, which you know that's a whole another a whole another saga in itself is the downfall of Sports Illustrated and how how far that ship has gone or whatever and you know the, the fact that they just basically aggregated the site you know aggregated the story from the Wichita Eagle, um, but it's a national story now. So Kansas State's silence on this perplexes me. If the leak is real. Then they have to step up and say, "We think this happened. We're, we need to. We're, we're working on conducting an investigation into it." Or they need to step up and say, "We don't know where the Wichita Eagle got their information. Kansas State is not does not endorse that opinion or anything like they, they like." They either need to say that they think this happened and there needs to be an investigation because if they legitimately believe that cheating was happening and they have evidence to prove it, they need to step up and bring it forward. If you had like, there is not a single, I don't know of a single Iowa state fan on the planet that if you brought evidence that TJ Otzelberger was doing what they, what apparently Kansas state thinks he was doing. I don't know that a single person would defend him. Like there's like everybody would say, well, yeah, he was cheating. That's done. They need to bring it forward. And that needs to be investigated and it needs to be taken care of. Like you have, if, if you want, if you, 
actually believe this is happening and you have the evidence to do it, you have you you like you should present that forward so that it can be fixed or it can be investigated. They're, they're acting like we have to prove that it didn't happen, right? Which is just not how this thing. That's works. not how anything works. That has not how the justice system in any at any level of anything works. We don't. That's not how our society operates. Is that you are guilty until proven innocent? That is not how this works. Well, how do you think this ends? Does this go away before we play them again? <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to see any development as far as like an investigation being open up, opened up, or. Kansas State apologizing or explaining that you know they don't actually believe any of this, whatever. I don't think we're going to get any movement on that. Like I, I think, I think we're basically done getting any sort of official move, like movement from official bodies on this thing. Um, this is just going to be one of those things that like Iowa State and Kansas State fans argue about for the next fifty years. Yeah, basically, I think that's just going to be what it is all the time, and then we're going to, you know, Kansas State's going to go on gaslighting us as if though we did we did something wrong by being accused of something that there was no evidence for. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jerome Tang had media availability today. He had every opportunity to say, Hey, this and he chose, to, out of, this chose to use that time to show, to show off his new sword. Yeah. Oh man. What a joke. <laughs> this guy, this guy was like the king of college basketball last year. Everybody loved him. It was his first year as a head coach. He'd been yep. at Baylor forever as an assistant. Everybody loved him. His team had immediate success. And, yep. and I feel like that's just, that reputation is oh, getting flushed away. Yeah, he's a meme almost now. Almost immediately, he's a meme now. Like nobody, like just the way, just the same. I don't know if it, nobody ever took Rodney Terry the same way that you know seriously the way they took Drum Tang seriously, but like just the way in the same way that Rodney Terry has completely invalidated any respect he had across the league. Drum Tang is very quickly moving that direction. That, and, the problem for Drum Tang is he's still going to be in the league next. He's year. still going to be in the league. Yeah, this and thing. The, like, yeah. This and the more teams follow he, him, the more teams that he keeps bitching about after he loses, which because now it's he did it twice in one week, Iowa State and then Houston. The next game, he started bitching about it or whatever. Like the more he keeps doing that, the more grudges he's going to keep making and the more people he's going to keep pissing off. And it it just it drives me nuts here because then I see going on Twitter and stuff like that. And I see Kansas State fans talking noise, which that's not anything new, but they're doing so in a way where they're like they they believe that Jerome Tang is like a morally ascended human being that is incapable of making a mistake or anything like that. And it's like, it's okay. If Jerome Tang came out tomorrow and said, Hey, I should have addressed this earlier, but I wasn't accusing Iowa state of cheating. I was just talking about some, uh, uh, an issue I'd have with the ref or whatever it was, or it was dealt with. It turned out to be nothing. And it's what it is. If he came out tomorrow and said that we'd all be like, okay, cool. Yeah, fine. Like, we'll move, we'd be like, we'll fine. move on. We're, we're moving on. Yeah. But he's not going to do that. Because he's apparently an extremely petty human being, so we're we're not going to move on because he won't let us move on because he won't say anything about it because I don't know I guess it, apparently you know Kansas State fans believe he's a man of integrity but I guess um, you know I would think a man of integrity would you know speak directly to the media if he's got you know if he's got concerns about cheating or something like that not leaking rumors to the media. Well, Levi, he did say he was going to keep it between himself and TJ, and he stuck. Well, to that definitely that, happened. So. <laughs> And nobody, nobody else that watched the game on TV or was in the arena that saw him being very demonstrative and charging at right. our sideline during play when we were trying to get the ball in play to keep the game going. Right. That, well, that was, was only between him and TJ. And it was what's really funny, though, is you go like on like I'm just going to bring him up. I'm not trying to give him publicity because I cannot stand him as as a as a personality online. But you want me to bleep, you want me to bleep his name out? <laughs> sure. He's he's a just the just one of the most homery guy. Like he presents himself as like an unbiased media personality covering realignment and things like this forever. But he is like, I, he's like an outrageous Homer. Like I, I have, I make no bones about it that I, and, and on this website, we are homers. No doubt about it. Nobody ever questioned that. We also don't present ourselves as, as unbiased as an unbiased body. Um, But it's, it was, he was saying, well, TJ lost his mind when, you know, when Jerome Tang was trying to explain something to the refs or whatever, and TJ lost his mind, asked him for attack. And it's like, no, two minutes ago, TJ got a warning because he was outside of his coach's box. And Jerome Tang then came way outside of his coach's box. And TJ was mad because the refs had not given him the same warning that they had given TJ. That is why he was mad. But when John reported it, it said, oh, TJ's a madman that absolutely lost his mind because you know, 
St. Jerome Tang was over there and, you know, totally minding his own business, being an absolute perfect human being that had, you know, doesn't, that never does anything wrong. And then you get to talk with him about the situation. It's, it's like, well, Kansas state should do something about this. Wherever he said, well, do we know that the rumor came from Kansas state? He's like, are you accusing the Wichita Eagle report of making shit up? And he's like, ah, you have to prove other evidence otherwise or something like that. Like that was his quote tweet. And I was like, the internet has clearly broken this person's brain to the point where they cannot have a normal conversation with anybody. Well, and he, he who looks <laughs> curiously like my, my co-host on this podcast. Yeah. He's purple. He's per He look he, like he looks shockingly similar to Matt Nelson. Uh, he also started with the rumor <laughs> that fans were throwing things at the Kansas state bench and he had to walk. That he perpetuated back it. He walked it back, but didn't like, he like, he like wasn't remorseful about it. He just said, Oh, I ran with it. Like that's it or whatever. And then continues to just run with shit. He has no idea. Like he has no evidence for He threw out something that fans were throwing shit, had no evidence for it and then walked it back. But then he's saying like, Oh, none of this ever happened without any evidence to support his conclusion. All right, I, I have one last thing about this. Yeah, and then I, want to talk I, about yeah I don't need, like, I don't want to give like, I don't want to give him a lot of airtime. Oh, I, I'm not, it's not even about him. I just I have one more yeah. thing about this Kansas state situation. Then I want to talk about Brock Purdy. Yeah. The, let's talk about Brock Purdy. The idea that TJ was supposed to stop the game and like get on the PA system and say something <laughs> because apparently Jerome Tang has done that before. He did. Cause the Kansas state, the Kansas state students were cheering something with some vulgarity in it. And he, that is absolutely outrageous. It's like, that, like that's not normal human being behavior. That's not. It's just not. <laughs> and honestly, if TJ got on the PA system in Hilton Coliseum and said, you know, like, watch your language directed towards the, you know, the Kansas State bench, it would have ratcheted up like another 20%. Oh, 100%. I, I, oh, it got worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anything would have changed. It would have got worse. No, so no. anyway. Yeah, I didn't. And, 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 the, and the other thing, part of that, too, is after the story goes national, is our Jamie and TJ just supposed to not respond to it, not address it, like just yeah, let it go. It, like, because a, because not vehemently denying that rumor is at least viewed to the public as a tacit acceptance of the rumor or a, an acknowledgement that it might be true or something like that. Right. Once we and, had been asked for comment, we gave comment that, Hey, this did not happen. And right. frankly, it's an attack on our integrity and, and we deserve an apology for it. And yep. that is, I think the exact answer that we should give. So, oh yeah, I think I think TJ and Jamie have done have handled it as well as they could have. As, as they've handled an extremely dumb situation as well as they possibly could have. Yeah. Anyway, Brock Brock, Purdy. Brock Purdy made the Super Bowl. <laughs> Brock Purdy is playing for a damn Super Bowl trophy. I oh I cannot believe it. And I'll tell you what, the haters and losers are still sick about this. Sure. I, they're saying like Brock Purdy was like the twentieth most important reason why they won the game yesterday. This idea that. Nobody knew that Brock Purdy could scramble because nobody knew anything about Brock Purdy until he played in that first NFL. Well, the game only thing they know about Brock Purdy ago. is they 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 know those two, but they may know the two bad plays: the TCU play and the and the one against Clemson. And that's because certain media personalities just love to tweet those those two clips alone out instead of you know someone a, a, with a propensity for amphibians and numbers. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, something like that. Um, and you know, if if you're gonna focus on those two, like yes, bad but just complete aberration football plays in it, over the course of a three and three quarter year career that is was otherwise spectacular. Um, I don't know what to tell you. If you if you didn't know that Brock Purdy was mobile and could make and could make plays with his legs, you just chose you just chose not to learn about Brock Purdy. You've you've never watched him. You don't know anything. If you don't, if you didn't know that Brock Purdy could scramble, you are not qualified to make assessments on his game as a quarterback. Well, I'm I'm struggling a little bit with how to, like, how to properly put this into context. What what it means for Iowa State University to have a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl? Because yes. we've never come close. Even when you look at like Tyrese Halliburton, who is an, an NBA All Star starter, yep, plays on the Indiana Pacers, and they're going to be lucky to, you know win a playoff series this year. Yeah, this is the damn super playoffs. But like that last year, he was a really, really good player and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, we're talking about the Super Bowl. The it's going to be the most watched broadcast of the entire year. Maybe of all time. This will this may be the most the like the Super Bowl breaks records every year. So like this is most likely going to be the most watched event in television history. Yeah, and I and I didn't I didn't really have any way to feel about how the game ended other than just like 
proud of my, you know, 24 year old son who I'm not related to, <laughs> who I like watched in college for four years. Like right. it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I don't know if you've really thought about like how, how Iowa state fans can put the proper context on this. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I have a good question for this. I just, I can't believe the 49ers won the game. I'm so happy. I feel bad yeah, for David Montgomery. I feel bad for but David. Um, but I, I cannot wait to watch Brock Purdy play in the damn Super Bowl. I know. And it's going to be one of those two where he's like, it'll start out a little rough because the, because the chiefs defense is really good. So they'll start out rough. It'll be like a rough first half and then he'll make, he'll start making a comeback in the third and fourth quarter. And then it'll be a close game near the end. And then something will happen. And you know, the, it'll be classic first half. Let's slander Brock Purdy. And then classic second half. Let's have all those takes age incredibly bad and watch him lead the forward Niners back on a comeback or something like that. You know, it's just, it's so phenomenal because there's a kid that, you know, that's a kid that like he is just, he's everything a coach could ever want in a quarterback, like just from a personality and an intelligence standpoint and just a leadership standpoint, all that too. Like he is, if, if a, a football coach could build a human being in a lab to be a quarterback, you know, they might make him a little taller. They might give him a little stronger arm, but they, but they'd make a lot of Brock Purdy would would be what you would make in a lab if you were designing a quarterback. Um, you know, he's just, and he's such a good kid. He's such a nice guy. And like he, it's, I don't know how you can justify like rooting against Brock Purdy unless you are like on a different, like unless you're on the team playing against him or something like that. Like, I'm not saying like, I'm not doing like the Caitlin Clark thing where like, Oh, if you don't root for her, you're a bad person. But like it's, yeah. Levi, is Brock pretty growing the game at the <laughs> level? <laughs> you could make an argument. He's not growing the NFL, but he's growing the exposure of Iowa State football, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it was it's just there's that's a guy that he's he's incredibly easy to root for on a team that's easy to cheer for, you know, where they've yes, they've got lots of great players. You can be like, oh, that's bad. They've got lots of great players and they're annoying, but you know what? There's, but they're like the great players they have are like they're the fun kind of great players. They're not like they're not like even even but when he was in his prime and still like a normal human being like Antonio Brown, where he was still like it was like he was still kind of annoying or something like that or a Des Bryant or something like that. It's Christian McCaffrey. Nobody doesn't like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel is kind of the same way. Like nobody doesn't like Debo Samuel or whatever. And Brock and Brandon Ayuk, who doesn't like Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle everybody America's favorite tight end. You know, it's kind of one of those things where like, it's a likable team. Brock's a super likable guy, super likable quarterback. He's a fun player to watch. He's just a really, he's a really smart kid and he, he deserves every opportunity that he's been given and that he's created for himself. Yeah. The, the greatest indictment of Brock Purdy is that he's on a team with really good players and that's nothing that he has any control over. And, no, and, and I like, think when you look at the way Kyle Shanahan and his teammates talk about him, I mean, that's that's all you really need to know about. Who they spend they spend half of every press conference and every media and every media gathering. They spend half of it talking about how good Brock Purdy is like, like they don't, they don't, I don't know. They, they I'm sure they're tired of talking about it at this point and saying like, oh, like, like refuting the game manager tag and stuff like that, like Trent Williams and Debo and Chris McCaffrey and George Kittle and everybody is constantly talking about how much they love having Brock Purdy as their quarterback. And I don't, for some reason, some people are just determined to hate him for no goddamn reason, but yeah, you know, and, that, and that's their prerogative, I guess. But I don't know. He Brock Purdy has, has broken a lot of brains when it comes to the stuff too. Cause he's, he's now set the expectation for being a good player at being a good quarterback to all, all throws have to be 15 yards downfield. The receivers have to catch them and then immediately fall to the ground and he has to be scrambling for his life all the time, which he kind of is because the 49ers offensive line is kind of secretly bad. Man, but, their, off, their offensive line was terrible last night and their yeah, defense they was terrible last night and they still won. Yeah. Brock Purdy. Yeah. He's got, he's got like weapons to throw to and hand the ball off to, but the rest of the 49ers team is kind of not that great. Their pass rush is good, but that secondary is shit. The secondary is terrible and the offensive line is not, not, not great. Yeah. If, um, you, if you're taking an early look at the Super Bowl, I'm, probably looking at like an Isaiah Pacheco over rushing yards and definitely like him to score a touchdown. And Travis I'd be really Kelsey worried about too, probably 
I'd be really worried about Kansas City just kind of running all over them because that's kind of what they want to do. They don't have pass catchers they can throw to. Yeah, outside of Travis Kelsey, right? Other um, than other than America's tight end, Travis Kelsey. Is George Kittle or is Travis Kelsey America's tight end? You know what? We could split the difference and just say Sam Laporta. They're all they're that's all Iowa the difference. guys. So no. That's not splitting the Florida. That's not splitting the difference. <laughs> it, depending on, it's definitely not Travis Kelsey at this point. Well, I don't Again, know. Again, through nothing he, other than him just trying to live his life. And if George, you, K- George Kittle might be like football people's like football America's tight end, but Travis Kelsey is like America's tight end because of his girlfriend. When you like, it, it's a lot like like how do you hate. Brock Purdy, like why? Why would you hate Travis Kelsey? You know, like the greatest indictment against Travis Kelsey is he's dating the most famous person in the world. Yeah, yeah. Tra- Travis Kelsey didn't do nothing wrong. Like he's, he's just a he really shot good a guy. shot with the most famous person in the world, and, and it worked it. out for and, him. And he should so be good. like a, an idol to uh, to single men everywhere. He's 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 dating the like yeah he's dating Taylor Swift. He's got a very good podcast with his extremely cool brother. Which is, you know, if he if Travis Kelsey decides to retire at the end of the season, he's got a future in broadcasting if he wants it. He's got a future doing his podcast if he wants it. He can do the Gronk thing and just do stuff because he can. Like, yeah, I think that's I think probably he's what gonna he's gonna do, do. I think he's gonna do movies when he retires. He'll be I like the rock. That. I think he'll I be like one of those kind of guys. I could see I could see like after the season, like Andy Reid and and Travis Kelsey both riding off into the sunset. Um and then Pat Mahomes being stuck with a Otherwise Matt, fairly Matt mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> With an otherwise fairly mediocre Chiefs team um for the next ten years and then that dynasty falls apart. The world um, can finally see why the Bears drafting Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have worked out anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah, so it, but I don't know, yeah. George Kittle is the is the people's tight end if like for the people that watch football. But but that's not an indictment on Travis Kelsey. It's just George Kittle is just a really fun guy. Whereas mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and again, de- uh, depending on who you ask, Travis Kelsey has a lot of haters for a lot of reasons that don't yeah. really make a lot of sense. It don't have any. So. Re- yeah, yeah. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is not a big Travis Kelsey fan. Um, uh, Levi, I'm going to read you a, a tweet from one of your one of your faves, Alex Kirshner. I'm sure you're going to oh, love this one. Me. This is <laughs> this one's about Brock Purdy. It says uh, basically this is the case against Brock Purdy. You want this QB to lose, even though he seems like a really good kid. He's never done anything to anyone. He's a legit underdog triumph. And the only crime he committed is thriving with the help of his coworkers. And that's the case against Brock Purdy. Yep. He did everything right. And that's why you hate him. (laughs) (sighs) What a world we live in. Yeah, exactly. Where a kid that has has just has done nothing wrong and has nothing done nothing but what's been asked of him the whole way there. And because he's done all of that and made a ton of good decisions in his life, that is why people hate Brock Purdy. Yep. Fascinating. Just a fascinating, like just a fascinating case study on the psyche of, of world culture. That, I don't know like, if there's something too like the he's a seventh round pick or whatever. Like he wasn't supposed to be good. He wasn't and, supposed to be good. So they don't want him to be good because I think I look at a guy like Nick Wright that works for ESPN who has just, well, has he's a Kansas Purdy. city guy though. So it, that's pa- sure. Take sure. it with a grain of salt. Sure, but he's an ESPN guy, which means he's part of the establishment. And I think this is now grand. This, I'm not trying to dive into like grand conspiracy theory here, but like I think I think the NFL. I mean, the NFL is a traditionalist organization that likes to have their institutions upheld, and the institution that the draft matters, and that you know who you're taking in the first round. The people going in the first round are the stars of tomorrow. And if all of a sudden a seventh round draft pick comes out of nowhere and starts and starts taking out all these first round quarterbacks, you know, that does kind of, that does, it doesn't delegitimize the draft in any way, but like it's, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that not it's in any way. It's the scouting process. It, it's, it, just, it diminishes the scouting process, which the NFL takes great pride in because they have the combine and all these mini camps and all this or whatever. So they've, the NFL takes great pride in their scouting process and Brock Purdy succeeding um, kind of upsets that. Now, Obviously, he's not the first late round quarterback to have success, famously Tom Brady or whatever. But Tom Brady was like for a long time was the one off that he was he was the one exception to the rule that you know first round quarterbacks are first round quarterbacks because they're good or whatever. And he was the exception, and because he was the only exception that made it that made it cool to be a Tom Brady fan or whatever. But now that Brock Purdy is also here and he's going to have a really good team around. I mean, yeah, like, you know, obviously famously Tom Brady never had good teammates. Um, but you know, Brock, Brock Purdy's here. He's doing things right. He's a late round pick. He's got a team around him. 
it's not a, like a super team, but he's got some really good playmakers, obviously, around him. Um, and people don't like that because I think a part of it is because he kind of up, he upsets the 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 status quo a little bit, especially because he's a kid from Iowa State. I mean, Tom Brady went to Michigan. He went to he went to what was and now is again a blue blood school. So, you know, he came from you know it's Brock Purdy from Little Old Iowa State. It was a seventh round pick, and now he's coming in and showing that you don't need to get a quarterback from Ohio state or from Alabama or from Cal or whatever, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I threw Cal in that thing, but Cal produces a lot of quarterbacks. So I guess I'm going to, I'm going to throw him in there because Cal for randomly cranks out good quarterbacks. Um, but you know, he doesn't have to go to a big blue blood school or be a high round pick to be, you know, to be, to be successful. The, and, uh, and, and so I think that maybe that annoys some of the establishment types. Well, the other, okay. So this is the last Brock 30 Brock, Purdy thing I wanted to make sure I said is that like he's been criticized so heavily for his play in these playoff games, especially in like the first half or whatever, but he plays his very best football in the fourth quarter of playoff games. And I don't know what more you can ask for from a quarterback. And it still makes people so mad that they, they can't, they don't want to give him any credit for it. He played lights out in the fourth quarter of last, last night. He played lights out on that last drive against the Packers. And it still just drives people nuts that like, right it can't count as a game winning drive that he led because it's Brock Purdy. Right. It, it, it's just in one, like Brock Purdy could go for 29 of 30 in a game for four touchdowns. And people would only be talking about the, inter, in the about the incomplete one incompletion. That was a bad throw. Like in that, that's, I don't know. I don't know why that is Brock Purdy's reality. I know for one, I'm mad. I know he doesn't give a shit. Like he, he, I know he does not like listen to anybody outside of the people that matter to him. Um, but it's still it's 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 really dumb that 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 he that that has to be his reality where every single mistake counts for four good things, and I don't know it, it drives me nuts. I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and be ecstatic if in two if you know two Sundays from now Brock Purdy is sitting at the end of it holding up the Lombardi Trophy, and I'm gonna be probably crying because I'm be so happy for him. Um, you know, it's because it's a kid that deserves he he deserves that honor. Yep. Um and and more, you know, it's just I don't know. It's unfair that he has to deal with it, but it's just the world we live in. I and I mean I'm I make no bones about it on in our in our group chat and on Discord and stuff like my my qualms with how the world works. Um but you know, it's kind of a it's just one of those things, just how it's just how it is. And it sucks. But but we're ending on some positivity. Brock Purdy's in the Super Bowl. So there we Brock go. Purdy is in the damn Super Bowl. Every once in a while, you know, like good things happen a little Iowa State. So we're and he'd be and he'd be a pro bowler if they if like people that matter play in the Pro Bowl anymore. Yep. Yeah. I mean that's that's all I got. Like I said, it's just been such a crazy week. Just a loaded week of stuff, but and a uh, very newsy week. Is there anything I missed? Anything that we need to make sure we touch on? Oh, let's see. What women dropped a game on Saturday to West Virginia, but they're still they're still in good shape in the conference. And Audi Crooks continues to be very very good. Um, I'm gonna start working on my Audi Crooks is better than Caitlin Clark propaganda. <laughs> I mean, Audi might be next up though. She might be an All American next year. Oh, I think she is. I think she absolutely is next up. Like I, I think I said in our chat is like the only thing that's gonna stop Audi Crooks from beating Astro Jones all time scoring record is the fact that she can't play five years. Yeah. And and that Addie Brown is on her team who's also and, the, really and that Addie Brown is on her team who also might challenge for that. <laughs> you know, there those two are gonna be a duo that are gonna score, they're gonna score 20 points apiece some season, and it's gonna be fabulous to watch. Yep. Well, Levi, this was a lot of fun. I, I think we can uh kind of wrap things up here, but uh everybody tune into the nightcap on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It might just be me and Matisse just riffing for an hour, but <laughs> but we're going to do one. <laughs> well, the good news is there's still plenty to riff about, so I'm, I'm there sure is. you guys will come up there with is. stuff. But, and uh, usually on the nightcap, I'll I'll get kind of kind of sweary, so <laughs> it's kind of kind of one of those things. If like, and we'll, we'll we'll pull up like tweets and stuff like that, so you can see receipts of dumb tweets and stuff like that. From I'm sure we'll talk about the Kansas State thing plenty. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Also, uh, yeah, join our Discord. Uh, follow the ten twelve podcast network whatever we're on it yeah so. so yeah i guess we can we can kind of like establish that so basically for anybody that has not heard we are part of the uh 1012 podcast where we've partnered with the 10 12 podcast network we are kind of the, we are their iowa state affiliate if you want to call it that um 
and they we have a 10 12 section in the in, in our the wide ride 90 light discord specifically for the 10 12 that houses their their discord um activity and it's been pretty active since we moved it back over into the into the wide right section in into our discord and uh it's a it's a it's a good one because we're gonna as we kind of get up to speed here we're gonna we might have an ad read coming up soon um for charlie hustle and and uh we you know we will have more guests from other from the new sites especially um to bring on for football and basketball season and stuff like that too so that's a good partnership that we're um really excited about however I do also have another partnership to announce, which I just teased to our, I just teased to the rest of the guy, the rest of the wide night, the wide right guys uh, last night, which is that uh, for anybody that has not been on Welch Avenue recently, Superdog is back open. And so you can, you can go get a Superdog now and it's the same exact Superdog as it ever was. And he's got, I think there's a couple other ones, a couple other uh, kinds of hot dogs there too. Um, but I'm, we're, we're working with them right now. I'm going to tease a little bit because we're, it's, it's going to happen. We don't know. We haven't hasn't been like a hundred percent ironed out yet. But there will be a wide right natty light dog of the month at that at the super dog stand, and we'll have input on like recipes and names and things like that. So if you happen to be on Welch and you happen to go grab a super dog, uh, keep an eye out for the wide right natty light dog of the month at the super dog stand on Welch. Yeah, I'm I'm just like so nostalgic for all this fun stuff when I was in college, like you know, just elite basketball at Hilton Coliseum and Super Dogs. So Super Dogs, oh, Super Dog. I'm like, I know it's a drunk food. Super Dogs are still fabulous sober. They are. They're still great sober. Well, yeah, keep a keep a lookout for that. Wide yeah. right natty light dog of the month. Love it. We've been, we've been throwing it. We've been throwing out some recipe ideas here in the in the in our in our group chat today too. If anybody's got if anybody's got like ideas for a recipe or a name for a, or, or a, a name for a, a specialty hot dog, you can tweet at us or come in the discord and say something. And you know, that's what I was going to say, you know, cross promotion, join our discord and join talk discord. to us about it. We've got, we got a food section. We, we have so. a food and booze uh, chat that is actually pretty active and uh, just people showing off whatever they're cooking or whatever they're drinking or whatever. But if you've got hot dog ideas, both recipes and names, throw it in the food and booze section. We'll, uh, We'll we'll run it up the flagpole and see if we can't get it on the see if we can't get it on the uh, super dog card as the wide right night light dog of the month. Well, there we have it, uh, Levi. Again, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank Absolutely. you all for listening to the Lightcast, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch up with you next time. Later, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>